0: we've been in a series about dwelling. We've talked about how God, the father dwelled with the people and then uh, dwelling in Jesus and the intimacy that comes from there. The example that Mary Magdalene had and then dwelling in the Holy spirit and being empowered by the Holy spirit. we talked about that last week. Andrea talked about that. And so the last two series or the last two uh, sermons that we're going to talk about we're going to look at is dwelling as the church in the church and also dwelling as us new city nyc and so today we're going to talk about dwelling as the church not just new city nyc yet but as the universal church the church at large and as the body of Christ. And I'm gonna use these words interchangeably, but um, what I'm going to mean is uh, ultimately the church, us, those who have put their faith and their trust in the Lord. So I left the States in 2017 and 2016 was a crazy year for me because I just graduated I moved back to Minnesota, and I was there for a year. And then um, there was this huge—I don't know if you you remembered or if you even cared—there was this huge presidential race that was happening. And 2017, Trump wins, and he comes into office, and he gets uh, he he becomes president, starting in 2017, and it was it was a, a very interesting year and i i don't know where you are you know politically where, where you're at left or right doesn't matter but it was a very interesting year for me and then i hopped on a plane traveled across the world and i said see you america good luck with all this craziness that's going on so we went to america or went to we were we were in asia and I remember actually. I remember I met some some people from from France and um, some of my friends from France, and they said, "You know what? Uh, this was this was before we left." And he said, uh, "Like the world watches the U.S. like like a TV show, like a reality TV show." And if if you guys, those who are not from the U.S., I mean that's that's that was a, I mean you can relate to that. And I didn't realize this until I was overseas, and I was like. Yeah, like we watch what the government does, and it's kind of entertaining at times, and and that's what I did. I that was the only way that I was able to connect the, to uh, to the U.S. and especially during the Trump administration, being overseas. Like, what really broke my heart was the division that happened inside of the within the within the church. Because you you almost had to, like, come into church and then choose a side. Am I left? Am I right? Do I believe in this? Do I believe in that? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? And there was this political tension that happened that I've never really seen before while I was going to church. And suddenly, like you see on, on social media, like, brothers in Christ arguing, tearing down each other because of their political views and I've even had like pastor friends who were told by their leaders that you can't say certain things, you can't post certain things because this person is a financial supporter for us and he will not, he will be offended, you can't do certain things because uh, the the leadership sees it this way and you can't say say that and it came to the point where there were some I I had I had other pastor friends who who left the church completely because of these divisions and it was just so sad so coming back to the states you know six years later coming back to the states like you still see this going on I mean COVID didn't help and all of this all of this tension it just continued and coming back to the states this was like the thing that I dreaded having to face coming back to the U.S. church because, like when we were overseas, like the only thing we had to worry about was, "Are we going to meet next week? Is someone going to come in and close us like when that when that's the case, all differences set aside, right But here it was it was something else, but you know I'm comforted, I'm reminded that you know God's not up in heaven, shaking in his boots. Oh no, the, the, the church in the U.S., it, it's being divided, they're, they're falling apart. No. From the start of God's people, when God called Abraham, God gave Abraham a promise. And God's intention was always for diversity among his people. And in diversity, there will always be differences, and in differences, there will always be challenges of division. So it's not a new thing. Because if it's not political differences, there will be social issues. If it's not social issues, theological differences. Um, If it's not for that, personal preferences and so on. This cycle of division will always be challenging the church. Will always be in the midst of the church. There will always be this wedge that, that tries to tear the church apart. And in doing community, like as we gather here, It's always easier to do community with people with the same mindset, right? Those who look like you, act like you, do what you like to do. It's so much easier. But that's not how reality is. That's not how life is. So where where I come from, in the Midwest, it's kind of a joke. We say, yeah, we we don't plant churches, but we split churches. You see, there are so many churches in one city, like in our city that we live in. There are so many churches that when you go to it, you're like, hey, you're the same as that church on the street. Hey, hey, you're very similar to that church on the street. But there are these small little churches that meet all over the city. And it's not, the, it's not because like, they want to reach out to more people. They want to be a light to this part of town. No, it's the fact that they cannot work together. And they want to, they, they, can't, they can't see beyond the differences. And so, I believe that life isn't meant to live individually. Like we're called to live in community. As the body of Christ, we're called to gather, to meet, to worship, to pray together. Yet, it's not like school, because, like, at school, you know, we're all students, right? We all have a goal graduation, right? It's not like we're at a family reunion, like, we're all related, even though we hate each other. We all have to come there, you know, show our face. But the thing is that we're more like, if you look at the lives of the disciples, the 12 disciples, some were fishermen, some were business people, some were rich, some were poor some were mercenaries, some were tax collectors. It's like being a business owner, right? And you go into, you, you go to a community and you're with the auditor that's looking through your finances. Like, think about that. Like, the person who's looking at all your money and stuff, he's like with you, your family, your friends. Your, he's like in your community. That's that's. It's, it's unheard of, but that's what the church is. That's what the church is like. So, as we continue through this, oh, oh okay, okay, sorry. Um, dwelling as a church can only exist when we're devoted to first dwelling in God. And this is what I really believe. This is the reason why we've been talking about the Trinity, what what uh how how God dwelled among us and how we dwell with Jesus and how we dwell in the Holy Spirit. Because it's a it's it's a a prerequisite. Like first when it comes to uh to dwelling uh when it comes to dwelling in the church first we must know how to dwell with God and we must see that God is wanting to dwell with us. We must be in the presence of God we must be in the presence of his, of 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 who God is, being empowered by God. So, in the first in First Corinthians, um, Rita read to us beautifully in English and in uh, in Mandarin, and I'm going to read to us again. It says. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are freed, slaves are free, All and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Skip down to 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is. There are many parts yet one body. Skip to 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, in this text that we read, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and Corinth is a coastal city. Corinth is a coastal city. It's somewhere a little bit closer to this side. And... uh, it is at the crossroads of many culture and influences. Similar to our city that we're at right now, it flourishes and thrives off of diversity. And it, has, it had a lot of influence in society at the time. And however, however, one of the big problems that Paul was seeing and he's addressing to the church in, the, in Corinthian in this city was division. There was division among All of these categories in social statuses, in sexual immorality, theological differences, ways of worshiping. And we look in verse 12 here, it's spiritual giftings. Okay. So one of the key themes found in First Corinthians. Also, this is a picture of what. It could have looked like, and you can see how close it was to the sea, where merchant ships would come in and out, and you'd see how different cultures, different influences, were brought into the city, and how the the Corinthian culture was brought away to the world, were taken to the world. So, uh, one of the main themes in First Corinthians is uh, Corinthians three sixteen says. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Not only is Paul saying that as individuals we're God's temple, but as the church we are the host of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and we come here not as not just a community gathering. Because like you know, I'm busy. I have a I I I don't have a lot of time. I don't just hang out with people to hang out with people because I did that when I was, when I was younger, when I was single, I had a lot of time, but now like I have a lot of time or I don't have a lot of time. So I feel like I need to schedule everything. Right. So just like chilling and hanging out. That's not, that's, that's not a, that's not a luxury that I have now, especially here in New York. But so when we come here to church, like it's not just a community gathering. It's not just like we're here to get to know one another, have fun. Yes, that's part of it. But really, we're here as a spiritual gathering as well, desiring for, desiring for God to reveal and show himself to us. And we do that together as a community with one another. And so Paul, in, in chapter 12, we were talking about, Paul addresses the issue of spiritual gifts within the church and there were division among people. Some viewed themselves as, oh, I'm better than these people because I have these certain spiritual gifts. And others were like, oh, I don't have certain spiritual gifts. They're so much better than me, right? And so we broke down, I broke down First uh, Corinthians 12 into two parts. And the first part says this. God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So there are two groups of people that Paul that Paul is addressing here. And the first, the first set, here in verse 15 that we just read, they feel insignificant within the body of Christ because of their spiritual gifts. They feel because of what they lack, they couldn't contribute or they couldn't, they couldn't be part of the community or they couldn't fit in. And due to this, um, due to this, they view themselves as being limited. And sometimes we elevate those with spiritual giftings higher than ourselves, and then we're not willing to, to step into uh, into our community. We're not willing to step up. So in my culture, the Hmong culture, when missionaries came and presented the gospel to my people, the first convert was a shaman leader, okay? So he was a shaman leader. He had, he was highly influential in the community, and when he became a Christian, he led his people to become a to become uh, to become Christians, right great story, moving story um, I, I, I love this story because one of my friends, uh, the first convert, was his like great great grandfather or something like that so like, so like, it's very closely connected to me and, and how my people came to believe in Jesus. however, also in, my, in the Hmong church. It's common for this idea to remove the shaman leader and place the pastor as the holy spiritual person. And he becomes this shaman leader slash spiritual leader. And so in this mindset, the church is someone who has a junior Holy Spirit while the pastor has the Holy Spirit. So so the church can't do anything spiritual you have to wait for the pastor to come. Oh, to pray, oh we can't pray. We have to wait for the pastor. And it's it's a sign of respect, but then you see the church will start to elevate the pastor to this like invincible holy person, right? And that's that's a common that's it's common in the church that that in the churches that I've grown up in. And so you, you, you get this sense of like, I can't do this because I'm not good enough. I don't really matter because I'm behind the scenes. I'm not up front. There's this false humility that we carry around. And this is what Paul is trying to address. And when you think people that are more significant than you, more talented than you, more spiritually gifted than you, what happens when they fail? What do you do? And that was something that I experienced recently where the where I was in a season where there was this there was a spiritual leader that, that I I um, I followed, I read his books, I did all of this I, I, I followed him very closely. I read his books, I listened to his messages and all of this stuff. And then suddenly he passed away and you know I remember I like watched his funeral online, all that stuff and then suddenly there was all these leaks of like things that he did that was immoral and it broke my heart because i'm like what do i do now and i remember i had a good friend he he grew up in the church and he decided to step away from the church he doesn't believe in god anymore and that was his big question to me too is like if if pastors are so holy why are they always sinning right and i i was struggling on this and i i, I was like yeah these are these are guys that i look up to that i you know and while I was praying about it, and I was, I was met, uh, meditating about this question, and one of the things that God really showed me is that, like, these are just people who struggle with, with the same things that we struggle with. That in the flesh, no matter how holy or how spiritual you are, how pious you are, we're all the same. We face temptations. We face the reality of this world. We face the brokenness of this world. And when we when we elevate these spiritual people, we limit ourselves into how God sees us. And so, this was this was this was really um, here. Like God uses all of us differently, and that's what Paul is trying to say. That if we were all the same we were all we all had the same spiritual gifts all had the same the same uh the same calling we would just be like a body that has all eyes no ears we would be like a body with all mouth but no eyes you know it it, it would look weird right we'd look like a monster we'd look like something out of A crazy sci-fi movie but that's not how God created us he created us differently special uh, in his in in our own unique way so that we can function together as a body but I think these people were were the were, were not the people that Paul was actually talking to the next set of people are the ones that Paul was trying to talk to so we go to verse 21 it says the eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no need for you." Nor again the head, the head to the feet, "I have no need for you." On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are in- indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our represent our and our rep, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which. Like, I pay, if you pay attention to the parts that Paul is talking about, I think it's intentional in what he's trying to say. Look, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, the head cannot say to the feet. And I think he's talking, I'm thinking he's talking to the leaders. He says He's saying to the leaders of the church, hey, check yourself, leaders. Yes, you're the spiritual leaders. You're leading these people. But you're not more significant than the hands you're not more significant than the ones who are going out there reaching, touching people. You're not you're not you're not more important than the feet, the ones that are supporting your community, the one that's walking, going out there. And this was this is a big thing. When it comes to leadership, like when I'm a leader, you start to have that temptation of like, hey, I'm I'm the man, right? You start to have that feeling of like, I'm pretty good at doing this, right? And I can do it pretty well. Oh, this guy, he's, you know, he's just an intern. He's just, he's just my coffee bearer, right? And we get this temptation in pausing, hey, check yourself. Like, really see In your heart, and realize that you're not more important than the other, than the other people, right? Maybe the world says says that. Maybe your your um, your salary, your pay says that, but that doesn't mean that you're more important, from my view. In fact, in verse twenty two. Sorry, we're having technical issues. Um, our computer is not the computer that we usually use because Piero's not here. He took his computer. So, oh, I, I have it here. In verse twenty-two, it says, um, "It says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable." What? That doesn't make sense. The bodies that are that seems to be weaker, the ones that are less important. They're indispensable. They hold that much value. And it says, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. So what Paul is saying here is that for those that are weaker, maybe younger, or or not as important when it comes to the world, we have that responsibility. Those as the leaders, those as the head, those are the ones that have the spiritual gifts. We are to uplift them. We are to encourage them. They are the most valuable parts in the community. And the Church has got this wrong so many times throughout history. Many times the church will say, "Hey, you be like us. This is how you look like. You, you should look like hey um, uh, you should you should ha- you should say certain things this way. you should do certain things this way and i 'm not saying that like there aren 't boundaries, but what i 'm saying is that when, when, when we are told that we, we have to look a certain way, do a certain things so that we can fit into this community, this is, it's not a church, it's a country club, right? And I see that a lot where, where church becomes this religious country club where you got to like, oh, if you pay this much money, like back in the old days, like if you pay this much money, you get, you get your name plated on a, on a chair, and that every Sunday you get to sit in, on that chair or you sit on that bench and every Sunday that's reserved for you. Or, oh, if you donated this much money to the church, you get a, your name on the plaque so that everyone comes and they can see how much you've, you've contributed. And so we see that a lot. And, and here Jesus is speaking against these religious leaders. And when we look in the gospel, Jesus is speaking against these religious leaders of these days. And he's always always challenging them. These are the people that he challenged, the ones that are making these rules that are apart from what God has. And so, um, as we come closer to an end, we see that here in verse 25, it says... That there may be no division of body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the most important part. Because we are a community, we can support each other, we can can be be supportive of one another, we can uh, suffer. We suffer together when one is suffering, we rejoice and celebrate when one is rejoicing and celebrating. This is the reason why we're not made to 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 be by ourselves, to 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 live uh, individually. But we're called, or to live uh, by ourselves to 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 separate ourselves from society, from uh, community. But we're called to be in community, to support one another. So, I in uh, in the Gospel of John. I'm going to read this to you. And this is, this hit me really hard because I've never seen it like this until recently when Jesus talks about I am divine in John 15. And I didn't put it up here, but I'll just read it to you. Uh, in John 15, Jesus says, I am divine. And w- and for, for those of us who've been in the church who read the Bible, like we, we read it a lot. and um, And when I read it, I always thought about like Individually talking about myself. Like, okay, I am the branches. I need to be connected to Jesus. If I'm connected to Jesus, then I will bear fruits. Okay. So like, that's the thing. Like, okay, that's what I, I've always thought. I've always thought. But then as I continue to read in verse 9 of John, John 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Okay. Me and Jesus. That's cool. Right? And it says... Abide in my love. All right. Sounds good. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Okay. Me and Jesus all the way. He's my homeboy. Yeah. Like I love this. Okay. And then it continues. It says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that, that your joy may be full. Oh, I'm loving this. My joy full. I'm loving this. And then we go on to this next verse. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Wait a minute. So it's not just about me and Jesus anymore. But it's that when I'm connected to Jesus, when I'm connected to the vine, the true vine, I'm bearing fruit. It's to be given. I'm not to be taken. I'm not to keep. But it's to be given. And it's this love. Not, not a love that what the world says. Not, not a love this feeling like lovey-dovey stuff. But this love that Jesus has shown to us. And it's, it's to be given. How can it be given? Well, only through community. Right? It can be given. I can't be living in the middle of the desert and show love to someone. If I'm all by myself. But it's in community. And it goes on, it says, greater love has no more or has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. It's interesting because it said friends here, because I'm like, how come it doesn't say brothers or sister? I think brothers and sisters, it's easy to lay your life for your brother and sister. It's easy to lay your life for your children, your families but for your friends. Sometimes friends are not that close to you. You're not not living with them in a home. But friends are the the, the community that you interact with. Friends are your church, the people that maybe you don't see every day, but you come together and you're able to, to gather together with them. And here it says, you are my friend if you do what I command you. Wow. That, that, that we are considered Jesus' friend if we do this. And we are the ones that, that Jesus died for. Because he was the one who first laid down his life for his friends, for us. Even though we didn't know him. And so, as we end here. Like I really want us to value the the diversity that we have here, and we talk about it, like in the DNA, we talk about interethnic, that we're a very interethnic church, and that's and that's that's one of the beauties that that can only happen because of Jesus. You know, I would never be in community with. Um, with some of us here, if it wasn't for Jesus, or over all of us here, if it wasn't for Jesus. I would never be in community with you. Like, you think about that. Mm-hmm. There's never, it just doesn't make sense for, for, like, some of you are students. I'm not a student anymore. I, I don't have, you know, I don't have the that time to, like, oh, let's go to the library, stay to like, two in the morning writing papers. Like, I don't have that, I don't have that ability to do that anymore. And some of you, that's your life, right? You guys are coffee shop hopping, one's closing, you go to another one because you got to finish your papers or, you know, I experienced that before, but that's not my life now. I have a kid. Some of you don't have a kid. I'm thinking, oh, eight o'clock, I have to send Kairos to school. Oh, two o'clock, I have to go pick him up. That's my mindset every day. Some of you guys are like like I asked I asked Fumi to hang out the other day and I'm like Fumi I only got from from 9 to 1. <laughs> Fumi's like can you do later? I'm like sorry bro <laughs> 9 to 1 that's my only free time. Like that's that's how it is now. So for us to come together and worship together it's a miracle and it's only through Jesus that that we're able to do this. And I love it. Like like when we dwell in Jesus and we see the beauty of, of, who, of who he is and how he works in us, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, like we get to come together as, as, as a community. And just despite our differences, what we think, you know, social issues, political, political sides, um, different opinions, but we can all still come together and function together as a as a as a body, as one because of Jesus. And I love that. And I love you guys.